This happy podcast will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. Welcome to this happy podcast. I'm your host, joined by my fellow Mouseketeers and co-hosts, John Grasso and Paul Jarzembowski. Welcome, fellas. Good to be here, Matt. So excited for this uh, next round. What are we up to? Are we at week five or week six now? I think we're at week six. Six, yeah. Wow. We are gaining steam. I love it. I love it. So this week, we're discussing our favorite old school e-ticket attractions at Disney parks. The parameters are pretty simple. The big rides we all love that were built before Epcot came along in the early 1980s. These are the classics, some of which we, uh, which come to mind or come from the mind of Walt Disney and the pioneering Imagineers. So I'm really, really excited to get into this topic. But first, let's have a little little roundup uh guys when you look back the last couple weeks um maybe even our recent episodes what kind of feedback have you been have you been getting i you know i've been uh i've been getting a variety of different people um that some of which i haven't spoken to in ages um i uh it was it's been wonderful to, to hear from some of my old fraternity brothers that i haven't heard from since college um and uh Guys that, you know, we, we were in the fraternity together and uh, come to come to discover they absolutely love Disney as much as I do. Um, and uh, that was never something we talked about um, <laughs> back at the house. <laughs> so I'm not sure for each of us if it's been one of those things that we've uh, developed since then. But it's been fun reconnecting with some uh, some old friends that way, because when they comment, you know, when I share that, well, you know, the current topic, uh, they'll comment on my Facebook page and it'll be kind of fun to hear. Um, another friend of mine who, um, uh, a, a recording artist that, uh, that I've worked with. Um, and she's like, did you not know that I was the biggest Disney fan out there? How did you not know this about me? And I'm like, well, I didn't know about you. So it's been fun discovering that things that I had in common with people because of different things in our lives, uh, working situations or, um, you know, from my high school, college, uh, earlier career days, um, finding that we kind of share this love of Disney. So that's been kind of fun to, to, to discover a mutual and shared interest um, that, that is Disney. I'm just picturing you in like Uzma Kappa from uh, Monsters, uh, the prequel Monsters for Monsters University. Inc. Monsters University. I'm just Paul in the fraternity. Uh, I love that. I think that's great. Um, I'm having a similar experience. Uh, pretty much anywhere I go, um, like my neighbors who, who are friends with us on, on, on Facebook, or I guess ooh, that's probably the only way they, they would know, um, are like, oh, I listen to the podcast. I've had um, co uh, former coworkers uh, that I never would have expected. Uh, I'm getting a lot of feedback from um, people that aren't Disney people, but just need something happy to listen to something, you know, exciting and, and, and happy. And, uh, that's always like the best compliment I can get. It's I delight in making people happy. So if we can make people happy by just nerding out over Disney, I mean, man, what a career that would be. I, um, I'm, I've been marveling at reading the replies on Paul's social media because 
everybody wants to be a guest on the show based based off of this show debuting it's like hey did you ask me to be part of this and why not yeah that's funny and and i think we've got a guest list probably about a mile long um (laughs) people who are like interview me i think everybody because i think what the thing is is everybody wants to share their happy joy of of what makes them excited i mean you don't come to disney because it's well, maybe some do because it's work, but you come to it because it makes you joyful in yeah. some way, shape, or form. All I'm saying is what we'll do is we'll develop a system quite like Disney where we have a fast pass system where people need to go in and register and and we'll work through it and we'll book their their ride. We'll book their appearance in this attraction at some point. Lightning Lane, for $15, you can get to the front of the guest list. <laughs> You know, yes. there's some surge pricing. Keep in there's mind, there's some surge pricing during the holidays, perhaps uh, those very those really big episodes. You know, you gotta you gotta pay. You know, that's that's a higher rate. Well, those are that's top dollar, absolutely. And then, then you know, you also have to pay for the uh, this happy podcast, uh, boo bash or merry Christmas after party, as well. That's a separate ticketed event. You don't get the you get the full happy podcast experience, but then the parties afterwards, separate ticketed. And yes. pretty soon there'll be a behind the scenes uh tour that we'll do which for another fee where i don't know i guess would that would be just like coming over to our house behind the happiness just like sitting on the other side of just the microphone an interview with the three of our wives <laughs> <laughs> actually that yes yes i top, top, top attraction right there i am so on board this tiered system <laughs> of experiencing the this happy podcast attraction um but um, I think we also need to get into what's making us happy in Disney this week. Who wants to go first? Why don't you start, Matt? Um, I'm actually really glad that last conversation took the route it did because I don't think I've said this before, uh, at least not yet. I've talked about how we watch a lot of making of attraction shows, but the Behind the Attractions uh, series on Disney Plus is... Um, just utter fun. It's a fun documentary series that allows you to hear from Imagineers um, the the growing pains of putting together some of your favorite attractions and also some of the, the things that you just don't normally put in the attractions bucket, like the monorail or the Magic Express or um, the castles themselves, even though I think a couple weeks ago when we talked about um some of our our favorites i talked about how the sleeping beauty castle had one of my favorite walk through non-motion attractions um so behind the attraction on disney plus give it a uh, give it a watch everybody can can watch it um all members of the family all sizes and they'll all be walking away from it feeling tickled and inspired how about you guys um, for me, um, so I'm preparing for a, an upcoming short trip to the parks, and one of it is to see the new Ratatouille ride. So, um, but here, okay, now again, I think our listeners and and probably you too will probably get very again kind of get angry at me for saying it for, but I had not seen Ratatouille before. Um, I know my love of Disney comes from the parks, not necessarily from the movies. Um, so I don't, I didn't actually, there was a large, long time that I did not see. It wasn't until recent 
Pixar films that I really kind of picked up watching more Disney films. So, um, so I didn't see Ratatouille when it came out and then, and then it passed and then it just, I never got around to seeing it. So, um, so actually my, so actually last night, um, you know, we watched Ratatouille um, uh, so that I can get prepared and I've, absolutely loved it i thought it was fabulous i enjoyed it um so it's i guess in some respects it's kind of fun not to see these films initially and then to see them like like all of a sudden like you know you're like seeing it for the very first time well actually i am seeing it for the very first time but it's kind of fun to watch it um as if it were just coming out um and so i get the joy that everyone had in seeing it perhaps for the first time so now i'm really excited to go on the ride isn't that movie just a delight though it's one of those pixar specials that has a beautiful message, but isn't gonna, it's not like Up where the waterworks are frequent, like we no. talked about, or Coco where the waterworks are. are. It makes, smacks you, yeah. No, it makes you, well, if nothing else, it makes you hungry. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> I was like, can I, like, it was funny because I we, we, we started watching it uh, right after dinner. Um, and then at the end of it, I'm like, well, can I have a second dinner now? Cause I'm <laughs> hungry again. And actually, if you've got, if we can have some ratatouille, that would be great. <laughs> that movie great. comes from director Brad Bird, who has the most unconventional take on animated movies possible. Everybody puts animated movies in the kids bucket. And he says, no, I make movies that are animated but they are aimed for something a little higher. Yeah. Uh, he his first movie with Pixar after uh after he um he made some movies with Warner Brothers. Um he made um The Incredibles, which oh, yeah. is which is perhaps the gold standard comic book movie. And then he went on like I think a year or two later and took over Ratatouille from somebody else. Wow. And it just wasn't working and he brought that ship home. He brought it to Harbor, um, and it is such a different, different movie. By the way, way to drop that you're getting a sneak peek at Ratatouille the Ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, annual pass holder preview. Um, yeah. Um, and so we're literally just going down for a day and coming back that same day. <laughs> I'm excited for you. I wrote it in Paris. It's a, it's a really fun ride, um, I think, that does the movie justice it gets some flack for some screens but i mean i the i'm really looking forward to seeing how they expanded when in my opinion it's probably the best epcot pavilion in, and that is france so so paul we're gonna need a rapid react episode yep. after you get on there so that we can share that little mini episode where we get a mini review from paul after ratatouille oh yeah no i also want you to review the crepes please i mean you kind of make sure you we, oh. there's a new place so we gotta do both gotta do it, the listeners justice i feel like i have to do like food and wine like a review of food and wine probably yeah yeah i'll be a busy week for me <laughs> so john what's making you happy uh so it, uh, unconventional um Unfortunately, given the health situation in Florida, uh, Nicole and I um, had to pull out of our recent trip um, for the second time. We had to pull out of a trip to, due to COVID to go to Disney. And uh, so we were really having a, a challenging week. Um, I know, you know, that's a very first world problem to have. But when you do all the right things in the pandemic and, and uh, you know, try to see it through for the, you know, we had hoped we would have turned the corner by now, but uh, I had to cancel. So um, my 
what made me happy is uh, even though the wait time was significant because again of the health situation, uh, Disney could not have been better. Um, accommodating, uh, understanding, um, weirdly emotionally supportive, um, and which was, uh, you know, I was expecting the pitch like, no, it's not so bad, but I got someone on the phone. I forget his name. I don't want to embarrass him anyway. Is but it Baymax? It was a Baymax. It really felt like it was Baymax. Baymax is really on, the, he's on the Disney call group. No. There, there. It was like the third or fourth person I had gotten to because, you know, you got to keep going. And uh, the person, I'm like, I'm really, like, this is the, the worst thing I've got to do all week is cancel my Disney trip. I just need your help. He's like, oh, no, no, I got you. I got you. I'm really like, like reassuring me. I'm sorry. Don't worry. We're going to see you again soon. This is, this too shall pass. I'm like, we're doing work here on this phone call. Yeah. Um, so just a shout out to Disney uh, customer service. They're probably not having a good time these days because there was a lot of people doing what I was doing, but um just amazing. That's the Disney difference right there. Um, that was, that's, uh, you know, you took a, a sad call that other companies would basically say, well, you know, you know, you bought it, you paid for it. That's the end of it. And said, no, not only are we going to take care of that, we're going to make sure you feel better. Cause it seems like you're real upset about, about, uh, missing out on your vacation. So, uh, just, just shout out. It made me, it really took a lot of the sting out because they were awesome. That's terrific. Because like, I know in this day and age, everybody, doesn't experience terrific customer service. Um, so it's good to, to share that aspect, um, whether it's Disney or anywhere else. Yeah. I know we're, we're all going through troubling times. And when somebody comes around and understands, it means the world. Um, yeah. So I think, like, I think we've all learned over the last couple of years that um, taking care of each other is probably the most important thing. Yeah, and it doesn't take much to make a human connection. So. Yep, yep. Yeah. And I appreciate that that's part of it's part of an ideal, I think, that that Disney does set for its cast members is to to make their guests. I mean, they 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 lovingly say, you know, have a magical day, but it, it is wonderful when they really make the day magical. Um, and I think that many of them do strive for that as best they can. Um, so I'm glad that John, you had an encounter like that because um, you know, um, and of course it was good that you were a good customer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or yeah. i'm sorry i'm sorry a good guest yes <laughs> never a customer always never a always a guest disney disney lingo yes you have to be careful about saying that but nonetheless you 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 know you obviously had your part to play but they also had their part to play and um i'm glad that in the midst of tragedy or at least sadness <laughs> um that there was joy and they were able to provide that so yeah that's awesome well, guys, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the show. Um, our topic for today. What is our most beloved old school e-ticket attraction? Um, these are the, the rides that I think are considered the cornerstones of primarily the Magic Kingdom parks, um, both in Disneyland and Disney World. Um, before there was an Epcot, um, the rides that made people dream about going to these parks uh john let's kick it off with you what's your favorite well um this one was not difficult there's a clear b but it's a it's a b for me and that uh, but so the b is uh it's a pirates of the caribbean um particularly the one in disneyland or disneyland paris um which i guess counts as old school because it was opened 
um, right around Epcot, but um, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is my number one. Uh, it, I there I could go through all of the different ways it's imprinted on me, and I will. That's what we do here. But um, there really is no good reason. It just imprinted on me when I was young. I've been on uh, three iterations of Big Thunder Mountain in Paris, Disneyland, and and in Disney World, and it's just a delight. I just enjoy it. Uh, it's one of Nicole's favorites. It makes her think of her father. They used to run uh, to do it all the time when they went. She calls it the runaway train to this day. Um, it was my first real roller coaster. Um, and so that certainly, uh, I guess, helped it imprint on me. But I love Frontierland. It's my favorite land in the Magic Kingdom that's not Main Street USA, which in my opinion is a cheat code. Um, it's, uh, I love the music. I love the experience. I think Big Thunder Mountain is impeccably themed. Um, it's a great way to do a family-friendly roller coaster in an intriguing environment. You, you know, there's really, you know, people, you look at Big Thunder Mountain, particularly in the Magic Kingdom, and you could kind of be like, all right, it's a, it's a roller coaster with some rock work, but it's not. There, there are um, details everywhere you look. Um, the, the guy floating in the bathtub, the goats, uh, uh, which I love. Um, and you're, you're right, you know, you're right in on the action. You come over the rivers of America. You can see Tom Sawyer Island. You can see the Liberty Bell. It's just so much a kinetic energy and, and dynamic energy there. I just love the ride. Um, it makes me think of my sister, Catherine, too. Before my sister Elizabeth was able to ride with us, Kat and I would always ride together. And uh, we would, you know, we'd pull the bar down, but we'd always be sliding back and forth, trying not to slide into each other. We memorized the intro spiel and we would say, you know, say it along or you know, chant it along. Um, you know, do the same things every time we'd go through the bat cave, we'd cover our ears. <laughs> uh, it just makes me think of, of all of the best aspects of our family trips to Disney. Just when I think of like the Magic Kingdom on like a warm March or April day, I picture myself walking into Frontierland and heading over to Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, you know, with my sisters and little brother and cousins and just, you know, uh, just my favorite. Um, you know, they're obviously all the old school e-tickets are great. You guys are going to talk about, about yours. They all bring something different to the table, but I like that little bit of thrill. I also like it Big Thunder the uh, the ride is drastically different from the front to the back. Like you sit in the back, you get a moderately intense roller coaster. You sit in the front, basically a dark ride, but uh, which is fine because uh, it hangs on those lift hills. But just enjoy it. It's just quintessential Disney to me. It doesn't need not overly themed, not IP based. Just little gags. I like what they did to the extended queue, like the, the light them and hide industries and stuff. Uh, I I uh, I just it is just a delightful uncomplicated ride are you a coaster guy i like to think i am more than i actually am i get motion sick so i could really only do like expedition everest and rock and roller coaster once or twice a trip and so i can't do universal because i can't really do screens and simulators and roller coasters so um uh like i i could do them i could do the intense ones once or twice like i could do big thunder mountain a thousand times I always knew that ride from watching NFL games when the Rams were in Los Angeles the first time, but they were in Anaheim. And like the thing about sports broadcasting is that if they know one thing about a town, it's what's very close to the stadium. Yeah. It's never, never too much. And it's just like, 
they would always cut to shots of Disneyland and Thunder Mountain, the roller coaster going over the hill. It was like one of those things where it was like, yep, that's if I if if my home team was playing the Rams, I knew I was getting a shot of Thunder Mountain. I love that. That's I love awesome. that coaster. I love that coaster. Why do you I, love that coaster? Yeah, man. Uh, I think that it's well, a like a lot of theme parks, a lot of amusement parks do mine trains, and they always feel less than. And like, granted, a lot of amusement parks are going to feel less than in a lot on a lot of their rides, just in terms of theming and things like that. But it constantly moves. It's never too fast, but it is fast, and it does whip you around a little bit. And there's the occasional moment where like. You have the near misses, like not quite the head choppers, but you're like, oh, we're going to we're going to do and do in here. And like the one thing I thought when I wrote it with my family was just seeing my kids ease up because they had been tense with a lot of rides. And that that made them feel grown up and safe at the same time. Mm. Yeah, how's that effect? Paul, are you a Thunder Mountain fan? Well, the, I'll get to mine. In a, well, actually, to be honest with you, John stole mine because I Thunder Mountain is my top. That is where I beeline it to every time I enter Disneyland or the Magic Kingdom. It is my first ride. It is, uh, and, and and it does not have to be the last time I do it either. I if there's if I if I'm passing by in Frontierland and I see the wait is short, I'm like, all right, let's do it um you know i would um it would always be on the fat when fast passes were a thing um it would always be i mean you'd have to get that as a fast pass um and then write it again if there's another time um so sometimes i would like rope drop it um i'd go there right as this thing opened and then do a fast pass a couple about an hour or two later because i just loved it um my, i love you know one of the things i always say at the first of all i love the um um i, I as a kid i would my, my parents and I would call it the whenever you'd have those hills that you kind of if you're driving fast on a hill and it goes up and down, we call mm-hmm. it a tickle bump because <laughs> yep. it kind of tickles you. And then you're like, oh, hey, yes, those airtime hills, man. I it's love those little. Yeah. And, and Thunder Mountain has a lot of those that kind of tickles you a little bit. And it, but it's not like huge drops, right. but they're just enough to go. Whoa, whoa. Um, I also like, you know, I like when I write when I write it with my wife, I light it. I, when John was saying before um the, the the bar does not always come down all the way which means there's plenty of room so i also like that my wife gets to kind of like you know slam into me and i get a little closer to my wife during the ride too it's a it's kind of romantic that way um <laughs> so as romantic as monorail red yeah i'd have to say so monorail red does not whip you around like that probably for a good reason <laughs> i will Thank say God. i will say that when it comes into the station sometimes it'll hit that break really fast but the last time I was there, I was like, oh, I just hit that bar. <laughs> and I always love at the very end, I always, as, as a kid who loved and as an adult who loves dinosaurs, I always love that the very end, you like ride under, you're like, dinosaur. And it's like you ride straight through at the very end of the ride is the dinosaur there. And so I always shout, um, I, I always shout dinosaur at the it. very end of the ride because I know that's, the, that, that's what we're coming into. So, so yeah. wait. I, Disneyland or Disney World Thunder Mountain? Then I'll, I'll go last. Paul or or Matt, you whoever wants to jump in. I'm gonna. All st- right. I'm sticking. Go ahead, Paul. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> it's all good. All right. You know what? No, it's not all good. Disneyland's is better. No. 
I'm going with I'm going with Disney World. Okay, so in order, the ones I've been on, Disneyland Paris blows the both of them out of the water. Disney World, Disneyland. Disneyland is shorter. Well, Disneyland Paris goes backwards, right? No, 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 that's Hong Kong. Yeah, that's You know, Disneyland Paris goes under uh, the tunnel, uh, under the rivers of America and onto its own island. It's really cool. It's also a lot more intense. So the Disneyland one, they've kept tinkering with so that they keep the theming going. Um, and I know that they tinkered with it in the last, like, probably three or four years. Oh, you're talking uh, about the finale? Yeah, with the, like, you have it, so it looks like you're, the, the, ca- the caverns are going to explode. You see, like, the, the, the sparks go up. And yeah. it's, like, it's the kind of thing where you're like, oh, okay, this ride has been pretty tame for, for the most, of, most of this experience. But now they kind of want to blow you up. I will admit, Matt, that that particular aspect of the ride, I would say that the the, the mine cave is better in Disneyland than it is in Disney World, Um, just simply because they've plussed those special effects. And it like I because actually after having gone on a Disneyland one, I went back to Disney World, they're trying to do that, but it doesn't quite succeed quite in the same way because they at Disneyland, they really shake they, like, like like the sides do shake a little bit. And so you really get the impression oh, that yeah. you're about to blow up. So that last cave, I will say the whole ride as a whole, Disney World is good, but the last cave, Disneyland takes it. You know, I, I'll say this, and I, I know I made the comparison to other theme parks and amusement parks with their mind train. Um, it could be, I, I had that complete opposite experience at Kings Island. They had a mind train coaster. You know, if you're on YouTube, search it out because it's the most hilarious thing in the world. There's this very tense lift hill where they have all these like animatronics on the side and they're going boom, 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 boom. And you're like, oh my gosh, what's on the other side? And literally when you get to the top of the hill, you pull into the station. Oh. It's like, it's, it's, uh, it's a Lucy snatching the ball from Charlie Brown before he's about to kick it. It's the most surreal experience. They build it up, build it up. And all of a sudden, all right, you're in the station. Like, so like what Disneyland did with the way, with, with that tension building in Thunder Mountain, and then you get like the release and you go to more dips and everything. You have more experience. I really love that. I really love it. All right, Paul. So if John was a thief, what is your favorite e- old school e-ticket attraction? Well, so then I, I, I really thought a lot about like my, 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 my runner up and I've really, I've really thought a lot about it and I, it's a good runner up to have. Um, and that is uh, space mountain. Um, Ooh, so yeah. going with the other mountain there. Um, it, first of all, it's just fun. It's just a fun ride. Um, it's, it's fast. It's fun. It's um, it's all that. So that, I mean, th- that, that I can't, knock it um because i just enjoy it um but it's also I'll, I'll admit this is a rather recent one relatively speaking in my life um because the one thing space mountain does has going for it is that um it is the end the the dreaded the thrill of the anticipation of the dark you, uh, for years i didn't go on this ride because i had heard horror stories about it's all in the dark and you're going really you're going like 100 miles an hour in the dark down a bunch of hills and it's like 
as a kid that was a little afraid of roller coasters, I was like, I, gotta, I don't think I want to go on that one. Um, so for many years, I avoided it and didn't actually go on it until um, probably about seven years ago was the first time I had gone on it. So I, it had been, you know, uh, as an adult uh, in my 30s was the first time I had really decided to take the plunge um, and do it. Um, I'm glad, but the thing is, is that's part of the thrill of it though. In fact, even today when going on it, there's that little sense of like, um, Ooh, um, is that as I, I like, I conquered it before, but Ooh, do I really want to do that? Um, so I'm, uh, you know, there's that, um, but the other aspect to it too, and I've, I've said this in the podcast before, I love I love that kind of 1980s, 1970s, 80s future uh, space, you know, so you have Spaceship Earth, the monorail, the contemporary are all, I'm, I'm huge fans of those. So Space Mountain kind of fits in that, actually, even geographically, you can actually draw a line from Space Mountain, the, the monorail, the contemporary straight over to Epcot. Um, it really just goes straight there in this kind of futuristic world. Um, it, I even love when you like the queue when you walk into Space Mountain, the the music is kind of eerie, spacey sound, and in, in, at least in the Magic Kingdom one in, in Disney World, where you're kind of like it's like it's you know, and and the there's 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 things that's supposed to look like windows on the side of of the um, of the queue, like you're looking out into space, but they're kind of like warped, like uh, a mirror effect kind of thing. So there's this kind of weird, like you're floating even in the queue. And, um, and again, it builds up the anticipation because you, the queue, the, even if there is no line, you have to walk a ways because where the entrance to, uh, you have to go under, is it, you have to go under the railroad, don't you? Yeah, under the railroad, oh yeah. Yeah, so you have a long journey to get there. So of course the anticipation builds. So even if I'm like, yeah, I can totally do this. I've done this a million times before, I can do it. But that long walk as you're walking through the space, you're, you're second guessing yourself and that builds the fun of the anticipation. Um, so I, I, you know, but I do love it because I love, you know, space travel and the, the notion of discovery, uh, everything that Tomorrowland is supposed to be. Um, honestly, if, if all of Tomorrowland in any of the parks could be an extension of what Space Mountain is, um, and there is actually very little story to it. And I think that's there, like in some aspects, you need a lot of story and, and Disney does that well. Space Mountain doesn't have a lot of story with it. There's no like character, there's no, but, but, that's part of the beauty of it because you fill your story. You're going into outer space. Um, you're in the dark. Um, you're going to go fast in outer space. Um, and uh, and I think I even like the first people who wrote it. So when it was an e-ticket, when there were e-ticket books that people were bringing into the parks, like the people who first in, initiated the at, at it and then even in the revamp were uh, were astronauts. Like. Um, I think Neil Armstrong was one of the people who like either inaugurated it or, or, or kind of cut the ribbon or, or when it was revamped, the, he did it. But anyway, like, like, so you have like legit astronauts, you know, have gone on this thing, you know, so it makes you feel like you're a part of that space experience and in central Florida there with, with the, with Cape Canaveral and Kennedy Space Center, you know, it just kind of fills you with that excitement. So, um, so Space Mountain definitely. Uh, is a great runner-up to, uh, to to Big Thunder Mountain. 
Um, and, and again, just like any mountain, I conquered it once. Um, and it's really, when you, when you can say you've conquered the mountain, um, you feel like a sense of like, yeah, I was scared, but I did it. And I'm, I'm on, I'm, I can't wait to go again. So, so, so I'm sensing some commonalities, right? You know, the big thunder and space beyond just being mountains, um, don't have tons of story to it. You know, you're, you're on a runaway mine train, you're in space going fast. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's sort of that anticipation. It's that, that whole world sort of experience where like, uh, you make the story, they do the theming, but I do have a very pressing question for you, Paul. And you, you can think about this. You walk into Space Mountain, right? You, when you get to that final queue, right? Where you could start to hear the, the roller coasters and they're loading them. You had a choice. Do you go right or do you go left? Or do you think that there's no difference? Well, so I've always usually, okay. So before I'd always have FastPass. Right. FastPass always went to the right. Right. So that's the one I'm most familiar with because I've always ridden it with the FastPass. Now I have... But I'll, I've ridden both sides. Left feels more thrilling, like it feels more scary. Right feels more safe. Although I would assume that they're kind of the same thing. One but has an extra drop. I don't I remember think, which one. I think left does. I think you're right. Yeah, which is probably why I kind of think of it. And I've also done it at, at, at Disneyland as well. And that one frightens me. Like I'm still frightened. It's not so much frightens me. It actually makes me a little sick. Um, the one in Paris has a loop. So oh, wow, yeah, that's the end of Star Wars now at this point. It is, yeah. Hopefully that goes back, but yeah, because yeah, it, it was designed for Jules Verne to be a Jules Verne esque. Um, I went on it structure. right before the the conversion to Star Wars. Disneyland sometimes makes theirs in the hyperspace mountain, right? Um, and it actually is better. One thing is, is Disneyland's is more in the dark than Disney World's is. Yeah, it's true. Um, so you actually, you can't see anything in Disneyland's, which makes it, I think, a little more disorienting. Whereas in Disney World, you can kind of see, I mean, with the fact that the people movers going through there, so you can kind of see something out there, it gives you a little sense of orientation. But I feel like Disneyland's is more in the dark. But when they did Hyperspace Mountain, there were more lights on because they were showing, you know, the Millennium Falcon and all that other stuff whizzing by. So it was a little more lit and I liked that. But when it's in pitch black, like Disneyland's is now, at least, at least the versions I've been on it, it's a little more intense because I don't have any sense. Oh, and by the way, I do in the Space Mountain and in Thunder Mountain, because I'm still a little chicken on roller coasters, I prefer the front as opposed to the back. Because at least with the front of Space Mountain, I can see just over the, the, the front of it to know just when we're about to go on the next dip. So um, it makes me feel a little, a little more confident. But um, if I'm stuck in the back, yeah, I'm scared. So, but that's kind of fun, though, at the same time. So, so from a historical perspective, just for people that, you know, might not know this, Space Mountain was built in the Magic Kingdom first, and it was built because there were to start to attract an older audience because there was this perception that uh, the Magic Kingdom was for kids and they had no alternative for young, you know, older, older teenagers. So Space Mountain was this, this first attempt by Disney World to match what Disneyland had with the Matterhorn bobsleds. And they right. even used similar ride structure, and uh, um, sort of the, the, the steel tube tracks Right. Very similar in that design. 
And then, uh, you know, because there was always this, well, we have no counterpart to the Matterhorn here in Florida. And then Space Mountain came about, and then all of a sudden Disneyland was like, yeah, we want that too. <laughs> Yeah, 1975 was when um, they built it in the world and 77 was when they built it in the land. And little fact there, when you're entering it, it's called Spaceport 75 in Disney World and Spaceport 77 in Disneyland as you're kind of that's that's what you're that's your cue. Um, and the, the number 75 or 77 was the year that it was built. And can you imagine it, it, it debuting in Anaheim in 77, the same year that Star Wars comes out? Space was a thing, mm. was a big thing in 1977. Well, space was the 70s. I mean, you had, I mean, we were still going to the moon in the 70s. I mean, just the first part of it, but before they cut off the Apollo program, but we were going through the Apollo Soyuz program in the 70s. And then we were just on the cusp of the space shuttle. So like space was a thing. And again, in, in Florida, you're, you're not too far from uh, where they actually shoot off real space rockets <laughs> right so, right yeah right and then of course there's star wars too which is you know more space yeah absolutely so How i guess you, I, matt i guess yeah, it's time for me to share it's it, time is, for it is time we are waiting yeah so i've i've shared bits and pieces over the last couple of weeks with my love of a particular attraction um the haunted mansion um to me that was the ride that I always saw as a kid on television as this like realization of Disney magic and Disney Imagineering. Um, and I know that Walt Disney did not live to see it fully realized that he had been working on it for years and years and years. But to me, it's like this parting gift to the world from him. Um, it just is this beautiful Beautiful, like both structures, both at, at Disneyland and Disney World, and they were built simultaneously. You know, there was a duplicate of, of each animatronic built for each attraction. Um, and then when Disney World opened, it was ready for them. Um, but what what I what just strikes me about it is just how to this day, how you can look at it and you go, how do they pull that off? How's that done? And even though they consistently pull back the curtain and show you how, how, how the Pepper's ghost routine is done with the ballroom scene or with some of the paintings uh, that you see on the, in the queue as you're walking around. And, and by the way, if you've ever been to either park, if, you have, if you've been to either park and you have not done it, make sure you don't do a fast pass. Make sure you experience every aspect of the queue lines because it's worth the wait and like going through the cemeteries seeing the 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 gravestones dedicated to the imagineers who brought that thing to life um it's so worth it and then once you get into the buildings into the the show buildings you get right away the ghost host which is is voiced by the the beloved Paul Freeze. If you've ever enjoyed the Rankin Bass holiday specials, he's a voice of usually a villain throughout those specials. And then you have the ghost host introducing you into the first bit of magic, which is the stretching room. And, and then you go in and you, you hear his voice more and you go through, at least in the Disney one, you're 
you're you're going into the attraction and and things that you start to see bust move and the paintings move and it's just if you've ever gone on a haunted house ride at a fair or a carnival or if there's one in, at your local amusement park and then you go see the haunted mansion you're like you know what this doesn't scare me completely but it does wow me and that's the thing is decades and decades later it still has the wow factor it doesn't stop entertaining you until you literally walk out of the building and even in the disney world version what what floors me is they have a grave marker for mr toad's wild ride it it floors me i love it i love the experience of the haunted mansion so much i will listen to the song um, and the, the whole ride attraction on Spotify, whenever I need a moment of inspiration, um, it just, I'm in love with the Haunted Mansion. So it's your monorail red. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And like, as the years go by, I love it more. Um, and I, and I want to just ride it all the time. And I, and I only got one ride on it, um, most recent on the most recent trip. And my daughter is equally hooked on this ride. And um, I feel like if it was possible, we would have ridden that thing clear on through to the end of the night when they kicked us out of the park. So I have a confession to make uh, a la Paul. I did not ride the Haunted Mansion until five years ago. And the reason was this. Five years ago, I was 24 years old, and I was still afraid that I was going to be scared in the Haunted Mansion, and uh, which is, you know, a reasonable thing because it's called the Haunted Mansion. But one of the, when I finally did ride it, because my, uh, at that point, four and seven-year-old cousins were going to ride it, and I thought, nah, not a good look for me to avoid that. Um, I was blown away by the unmatched to this day mix between the scary and the happy like mm -hmm. they really are happy haunts and so the um the, i agree there are so many wow moments how do they do that how do they do that but there are also so many it's a feast for the eyes there are gags there are some jump scares it's definitely creepy they mastered this tone that I, I don't think has existed anywhere else. And I'm wondering if you could speak a little to that. Yeah. And I watched um, the behind the attractions episode on Disney plus and watching one of the remaining living Imagineers talk about the, he was in charge of, of having this sort of kooky room, the, the room of the strange, which never really materialized, but a lot of his ideas were integrated into the attraction. Um, he was charged with helping make it scary. And the other Imagineers had this competitiveness of making it funny. And I loved watching them go back and like him remember the rivalry and like remember they were pushing one another. And I love that that attraction, there was a moment where before we got on the ride, my son, who at the time was five, was genuinely scared before getting on the dune buggy. He was like, I don't know about this. I said, you're going to be fine. You'll be fine. Don't worry. And then he got on. And at the end of it, he couldn't stop laughing because the ghost in the mirror was kicking him. And that to me was pure delight that he knew at the very end, 
that he couldn't stop talking about it. And then he felt safe and he felt uh, like he was sent off with a laugh. Um, that, that conflict is embedded in the very essence of that ride. Yeah. And it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant effort. Um, and if you haven't watched the episode, I recommend listeners, if you haven't watched the Behind the Attractions episode, get on Disney+. Plus. Watch If you're going to watch any episode, watch that episode. And um, the Imagineer, oh, his name is slipping me right now, and he's a, he's a living legend. Um, and I'll, it'll come back to me. But he recounts the moment that he saw Roy Disney at, at Walt Disney uh, World's opening. And he, and he went up there and he said, um, Roy recounted that how much uh, Walt loved working with him on these attractions. And to this day, the Imagineer recounting that story gets teary-eyed and he can't control himself. And so um, watching this, this aging man still be touched by the notion that he touched the heart of Walt Disney and uh, made him happy and that he talked about those experiences. It's built right in that ride. It's built right in that attraction. It is like, you know, like people talk about Florida Disney World being Walt Disney's dream. As much as anything, Haunted Mansion was his dream and he didn't get to see it fully realized, but oh, it, what a parting gift to the world. It was, it was a wonderful accident of sorts because I think part of it was that through its development with Walt and the other Imagineers, it was it was to be something different and it kept changing. It was, let's do a museum of the weird. No, we don't do that. Let's do a scary ride. No, let's do that. Let's do a funny ride. No, let's not. And, and I think what it is, is all of those elements of weird, scary, and funny all kind of mesh together. And it's kind of a lesson in the fact of like, you people always say, oh, this, this, this must have been, this must have been done by a committee because it's all over the place. Haunted Mansion was done by a committee. It was done by a, a variety of people and, and, and it actually worked. It does prove that when you do get brilliant minds working together, each bringing their own thing, that they found that magic of being able to get just enough scary, but not too scary, just enough silly, but not too silly, and just enough weird, but not too weird. It, it captures all of that good, fun special effects, good special effects, um, the anticipation, the, the vehicles, um, you know, the way that it conveys people, it eats, it's, it eats up crowds in the sense of, you know, it, it, it'll take a large room and get everybody on those doom bikes. There's, I mean, there are lines for it, but it does move because it's through that Omni mover system. So it's a good, um, it's a good mix. Matt, what is uh, uh, in that in that entire mix, though? Do you have a favorite room? Because there are many vignettes. There's an opening vignette. There's the ballroom. There's the attic. There's all kind. There's the graveyard. Is there a particular vignette that you really just enjoy um, that you can that, that you are thinking about? My two favorite are the stretching room and the ballroom. Um, it's the 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 two to me that leave me still to this day, scratching my head of, of, of no matter how many times I see it explained how it's done. The Pepper's ghost thing just blows me away. Um, it just, there's this, you're immersed in this scene. You're seeing everything come to life in the ballroom in particular. And it's just watching those ghosts dance and, and sit around the table. 
it's a thing of beauty and it's you know it's and it almost feels cooler in there like they turn up the air condition a little bit that you you've gone into this other realm and you're you're just you're in their sphere and and you're just a passing passing uh passenger um you know uh, uh, the possibly the 1000th happy haunt i love that i love that you see everything come to life there no for me the haunted mansion is like the empire strikes back not my favorite ride but the pinnacle of disney imagineering the original disney imagineers just like empire strikes back is objectively the best star wars movie it's not my favorite my favorite is is return of the jedi my favorite is big thunder mountain railroad but it's really really hard to quarrel with the fact with the haunted mansion when you don't even need to scratch the surface you can look at the ride and see the the physical embodiment of the creative process of the original imagineers yeah there's a lot of lessons to be learned i think like if you watch that, watch that behind the scenes special and other behind the scenes specials of like creating a culture of competitiveness, but um, mutual respect in the workplace for one another. That is, um, it's it, it, it's it's to me. I like I'll sit there and go, I want to be an Imagineer. I want to be in that in that situation where like people are pushing one another and saying, you know, I like you. What else do you got? You know, I love that. I love that there's respect through talent. Is it kind of like this podcast, perhaps? Yes. We have like a competition to see who's got the best thing. We respect each other, but we that friendly competition makes this podcast even more enjoyable to listen to, perhaps? Yep. Yep. I think you're making it easier to make it sound like you're not going to forgive John for stealing your... See, and here I was going to do the kumbaya thing. I was going to (laughs) say, you know, one of the things that that bonds us as we all, you know, I think in our core at heart, all three of us, you know, think it'd be cool to be an Imagineer. And for me, I think that is born from wanting to make people happy, wanting to delight people. And that is why we are here on this podcast we want to delight people so maybe we maybe we can i don't know matt you have a gift you're pretty creative but maybe we can't design the haunted mansion but we can certainly opine about it yes and delight people with our memories absolutely absolutely all right so this was a great discussion i loved it i loved it i loved all these memories um so next week next episode i think what we're going to talk about is our favorite resort um you know, this is likely going to be uh, from Walt Disney World um, because Disneyland is less known as a resort, um, you know, even though they, they've been branching out. Am I wrong in that, guys? Are we thinking are we thinking we're Walt Disney World resorts? Well, there's I do believe I've I, I, I'm kind of thinking like 28 or 32 yeah. resorts across the kingdom um, or across the world, whereas I think Disneyland has three. Right. But I, if you want to pick something from Disneyland, I fully support it. I've got it. I'm doing Disney world. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also only toured the resorts at Paris. I didn't stay at one. So I don't feel like I'm equipped to, to, to say anything about that. And I haven't been to the other ones. Sounds good. Sounds good. I'm loving it. So I want to remind everybody, um, you can follow us on all our social media pages, This Happy Pod on Twitter, 
This Happy Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Um, subscribe. Leave us a review on all your favorite platforms. We're talking Spotify, Apple, Pandora, iHeart, Google, TuneIn. Like I said, leave us a review. Um, we're posting throughout the week on all our social media outlets. Please feel free to leave a comment. Um, or if you have an idea for a future episode, drop us a line at thishappypodcast at gmail.com. Guys, how did you feel about this episode? Oh, I, I could keep going. I know. I, I Actually, it was interesting to discover what e-ticket attractions were uh, at Disneyland initially. Um, I think Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, I think, is considered an e-ticket attraction at Disneyland at one point. I'm not sure if it would be today, but back in the day, it was the thing to go on, um, mostly because of the cutting-edge auto-animatronic that was there. But um, uh, I think an e-ticket attraction is ultimately what gets you excited about going to the park. Um, and what is going to thrill you. And if that is great moments of Mr. Lincoln, so be it. Um, but uh, for us, I guess it's uh, it's a couple of the, what are some of the classics we just mentioned? Yeah. Yep. And obviously we're getting the new new generation of e-ticket attractions. Yeah. Well, well we might uh, might book our Disney, Disney uh, experiences, Disney park experiences differently these days. Um, Imagineers are certainly pushing the uh, pushing the edges on a lot of different attractions. All right, yeah. guys, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Um, I am so thoroughly inspired each and every week. So thank you so much, guys, and thank you everybody for listening. We will see you real soon. <laughs>